0: This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com.
1: To the 15 to the 10. Murray's going to score. Touchdown.
0: Welcome to the Cardinals' Red Sea Report.
1: Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield going for Hopkins. One handed catch and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins.
0: The Cardinals' Red Sea Report is brought to you by. Arizona Cardinals podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20 at the 10. Touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry.
2: Certainly hope everyone enjoyed and had a great extended holiday weekend and, of course, took the advice of one Bertrand Berry, and that would be... A no-shoes weekend, because that is what B-Train preaches here on the Cardinals' Red Sea Report. And i got to admit, MJ, well, uh, I did have shoes for a little bit, but I did enjoy the extended break. But now it's back to work. Back to work
1: and, uh, you know, just getting closer to training camp. And obviously, when you get to training camp, you get closer to the preseason and then the regular season. But it was nice uh, just to have some downtime and uh, definitely... uh, You know, uh, Saturday I was out and about and I went to a a soccer game and it started raining and it was windy. And so I'm like, I didn't mind sitting in the rain, to be honest with you. A
2: little unusual, but uh, welcomed to have some of that wet stuff from the sky fall. Every now and then it happens here in the desert. B Train, how was your no shoes weekend?
3: Uh, it was very good. I, I didn't have any shoes on, and, and uh, it felt great. Uh, <laughs> I spent a little time working, but for the most part, I was just hanging out, relaxing, doing my thing.
2: All right, so let's put you back to work here on this week's edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report and talk about a topic that, uh, well, you love, and that is the offense, and specifically the Cardinals offense, because like it or not, B-Train, everyone's going to be talking about the offense, probably every day during training camp and during the regular season. Yeah, we'll give the defense some love, but you have to admit you have to be able to score points in order to win on Sundays, correct?
3: Yes, that is correct, but we always know it comes back to defense (laughs) because defense wins championships, and that's what we're concerned about. But when you start thinking about the new pieces that are in place on the offensive side of the ball, yes, it is going to be a, a big topic during training camp. Will these players that they've added bring that added dimension to this offense that really unlocks this offense so that they can take it to the next level and will they give Kyler Murray the opportunity to be a MVP type candidate Uh, all that remains to be seen but yes there will be plenty of talk between now and the start of the regular season about those new pieces that the Cardinals
1: have. Clearly, we know how the season ended for the Cardinals in weeks 16 and 17. And just like any staff, they do a self evaluation. And then we find out that, you know, Sean Kugler got a promotion, Cam Turner got a promotion. They went out and hired a new wide receivers coach. So you could see there was a lot of self evaluation. And, you know, I give a lot of credit to Sean Kugler. I think Vance Joseph needs uh, to get more credit. I think people are sleeping on this Cardinal defense, but we'll focus on what they're able to do. So a little bit of shift on the offensive staff going into the season.
2: Yeah, Sean Kugler added the title of run game coordinator. Cam Turner promoted to quarterbacks coach. And then those additions, a new wide receiver in A.J. Green, a new center in Rodney Hudson, and a new running back in James Conner. Yes, you added Rondell Moore in the draft as well. So a focus on the offense, but overall the focus is trying to be a more consistent offense overall number six in yards per game 384.6 that's good but it was kind of an up and down offense MJ and certainly on the downward specifically late in the season that's what the Cardinals want to be able to change here this year is being a little bit more consistent across the board and not have so many highs and lows. I mean, clearly you want to get off to a good start just to build some
1: confidence and, and let teams know that, you know, you're a different team a year ago. But, you know, it's it's how you finish, and it's how you finish in fourth quarters. And, you know, I, I think they realized they left some plays on the field last year. When they scored 24 points or more, they were 8-2. and two, And now you, you don't have to rely so much on your defense. So, clearly, you get in the red zone, you want more touchdowns and field goals. And I think that's the, the, the scenario this year with the addition of A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, Who we're going to see probably on some jet sweeps, some bubble screens. And then you got Connor. For your short yardage situation. So they should be able to score more touchdowns this year,
2: let alone uh, less field goals. A two and five finish and those two wins, they did score 24 or more 26 against the Giants, 33 against the Eagles. And then it was a drop off to 12 and seven in those final two weeks. We've mentioned his name a couple of times Sean Kugler, new run game coordinator. Also, the offensive line coach discussed the consistency needed on the offensive side of the ball this year. When we're rolling, we're hard to stop, and and we showed flashes of that, but flashes, you know, didn't get us to where we wanted to go. We got to be more consistent in the penalty phase, and, and really on a lot of pre-snap things, you know, false starts and those type things, and, and those are not tolerable. That that they, you can't have those to be successful. It puts you behind the chains. It makes
0: every single drive that much harder to be successful at the end of the drive. So, uh, we
2: have to eliminate that. We've talked a lot, B train, about penalties this offseason as you kind of look back at the numbers from last season. 131 total penalties, 113 accepted penalties. But to Coach Kugler's comments, it's the pre-snap penalties that I think really stand out, especially for a coaching staff because the last thing you want is a first and 10 to be a first and 15 or worse, a first and 20 or a third and one, then all of a sudden it becomes a third and six. just it, It disrupts everything you're trying to do as an offense.
3: Self-inflicted wounds are the big, quickest way to get yourself beat in the NFL. And when you talk about mental errors, that's something that you can control. If you're getting beat physically up front by a team that's just better than you, then you tip your hat to them, you shake their hand at the end of the game. But a lot of the times the Cardinals were victims of their own doing. And you, you can't have that if you're trying to get to the postseason and ultimately trying to win championships. You cannot shoot yourself in the foot time after time after time again the statistics show that when you start first and 15, it's, it's very difficult. And when you start uh, with bad field position, it's, it's going to be uh, difficult to get down the field and, and score points. So I think the Cardinals understand that and they're making concerted efforts to, to remedy that. And they did that with uh, new personnel and you have to also change the mindset, because I think a lot of the, the problems too, were you had to look at this team as a whole, from the offensive standpoint, it was really kind of, it was really young. And to, to be young uh, mentally, you're going to have those type of mistakes. So I think they've got to grow up to some level uh, in this off season and make sure that they don't have the same approach that they had last year because if they do, then they're going to find themselves in the same position on the outside looking in, watching the playoffs.
1: If I recall, it was probably after the uh, – after it was Super Bowl week when Kyler Murray talked about the little things. we got we got to improve on the little things. And, you know, again, and that's – protecting the ball, which he's done a good job with, um, converting on some of these third and short situations where they couldn't rely on their kicker. And so it's just if there's one word we can use from last year was inconsistency, and Kyler owned it after the Super Bowl uh, or during that week, saying the little things
2: are what is keeping us back, and I think he's one hundred percent correct. Well, speaking of the Cardinals' starting quarterback, let's hear from Kyle Murray about that subject. There was this, like just you just didn't know which team you were getting, and I think that comes down to you know us being inconsistent.
1: And for me, I think it's, it starts with the little things. I've, I've said it before: organizations that win they do everything right, they do everything the right way, um, the attention to detail. Um, The small things, like I've said, how you do anything is how you do everything. And I think we got to get to the point where we do everything the right way and we don't take any of that stuff for granted. And I think that'll, you know, kind of change the narrative or the, the feel around the organization.
2: Kyler made a number of appearances during Super Bowl week and those comments from the Pat McAfee show. And I'll go back to his last comments in the regular season post game against the Rams where he talked about winning games you're supposed to win and the losses to the Lions, Panthers, Patriots, 49ers, and then MJ going 2-4 and four within the division. You have to be able, yes, you're, you're going to stumble along the way, but you can't stumble that many times, and that's what kept the Cardinals out of the postseason. And they got off to a 2-0 and start inside the division, really
1: big win uh, in, in San Francisco, I guess Santa Clara, and then beating the Seahawks um, wasn't easy, and then they go 2-4. and four. Yeah, if this team's going to want to compete for the division, you're going to have to get double digits in victories. We know Seattle won the division last year at 12-4, and, and you're going to have to at least split. And you can't go 2-4, and 1-5 and five in the division. Now you're playing catch-up, and that means you got to win all your NFC games outside your division.
2: And like it or not, a lot of eyes are going to be on Kyler Murray, year three from him. Before we get B-Train's thoughts on that, here is the head coach, Cliff, Kings- Cliff Kingsbury, on his starting quarterback.
0: Yeah, with Kyler, it's just continue to master your craft. I mean, there's this is a position that, that you're never going to reach perfection, but... Um, you're going to work towards that. And it's just the little things each and every day, consistency each and every day, and um, huge strides from year one to year two, I'm expecting to make the, the same strides uh, this next season.
2: You can certainly tell right there from sound bites from both the head coach and the starting quarterback, B Train, the little things, consistency. So that point has been hammered home this off season. Now it's just a matter of going out and executing.
3: Maturity. That's the word that I get from all of those sound bites. Is- you got to be mature. You've got to be a mature team. You've got to grow up, and you can't beat yourself. It's hard enough to win because the talent level is so even in the NFL. It's going to be the little things that are going to differentiate between winning on Sundays and losing on Sundays. And they understand that now, and it's just a matter of going out and doing it. We've talked about it at nauseum, but here in a few weeks, they're going to start the process of, of doing what they need to do on the field, and let their playing speak. And I'm excited for this team. I think they have a great chance to, to really compete in a very difficult division. It's going to take a concerted effort of all of those players that are going to be involved to to up their level of play. But I do believe that this team can get it done. It's just a matter of if they will.
2: A top 10 offense, number 7 as far as rushing the football, and they were 17th throwing the football. But I'll go back to what you said at the start of the segment, MJ, as far as points per game. They ranked 13th, 25.6. Now, that's, that, that, that's middle of the pack, not quite good enough to get you into the postseason. Yet, again, I'll go back to the roller coaster, and you're scoring 30-plus, and then sometimes you're scoring into single digits. And you, you can't ride that and hope to have that ride continue past January. And it's not like they need to score 30 or 35
1: points because the defense has some holes or some leaks on the defense. That's not the case. You get to 27, 29, 30 consistently over the course of the year, you're going to win a lot of games. And I mean, you're not going to go unbeaten. I'm just saying you're going to be in the win column and you're
2: going to have more wins than losses. The maturity be trained not only for the quarterback, but the head coach and the entire coaching staff as well. There's been a spotlight on those gentlemen as well as far as, yeah, it's year three for Kyler Murray in that draft class, but it's also year three for Kingsbury and his coaching staff.
3: No doubt, and they've got to figure out what their mark is going to be, how they're going to attack teams, understand how teams are going to attack them. And once they can come together and figure all of that out, then I think this team is going to hit their stride. But, yeah, it's not just about the players. It's about the coaches putting them in positions to be successful and, and making sure that everybody is being held accountable. You can't just put it all on the players. You can't just put it all on the coaches. Everybody's got to share in their responsibility. So I, I anticipate this entire organization leveling up, if you will, between now and the start of the regular season. And I think it's going to be a fun season for this team.
2: It's certainly on paper, and those those two words, MJ, we talk a lot about. Everything looks good on paper, yet now we need to see it on the football field, and we'll get a chance in week one at Tennessee. And that's look, that's going to be a huge test, as is the home opener against the Vikings.
1: Kyler going into his third year along with Cliff, the addition of Rodney Hudson, J.J. Watt, A.J. Green. I mean, this team is ready to compete right away. It's not like you're waiting for this team to kind of find their identity. We'll find out who they are, and that comes more from being physical and winning in the trenches.
2: Bird Gang, team up with the Cardinals and State Farm by donating a backpack filled with school supplies for students in need in the Tempe Elementary School District. Support our virtual back-to-school drive from now through this Friday, July 9th. Visit azcardinals.com slash back-to-school. That's azcardinals.com back, the number two, school. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, more on the maturity and the leadership needed out of this team here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
1: 80 plus yards for the touchdown ball
2: is three knocked around and it's controlled by Watt. picked up running with it to the 40 to the 30 to the 20 he's gone touchdown what can
0: he do portals with time pumps. here comes Watt, and he breaks down portals in the end zone J.J. Watt with the sack. Look out from behind. Here comes Watt. And
2: second time he has gotten to the quarterback. Stafford back to pass. Looks. Hooks it out left side.
0: Intercepted
2: by J.J. Watt. And he's going to take it in for a touchdown. The list of accomplishments for J.J. Watt in his career. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year. Five-time Pro Bowler. Five-time First Team All-Pro. That we know and that is a big reason why the Arizona Cardinals went out and signed JJ Watts in the offseason. I think the first big move, if you will, outside of the Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff trade between the Rams and Lions. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea report, Craig Riolu, Mike Drecki, and Bertrand Barry focusing not so much be trained on what JJ Watt is going to bring as far as numbers are concerned, but what he does as far as walking into that locker room, and he's already done it, OTA and minicamp but yes he's an outsider but when you have someone of that stature walk in uh, kind of put yourself in one of those players shoes in that locker room J.J. Watt walks in or maybe what was that player for you when you played that kind of walked in and just basically had the entire room and people just shut up and listened
3: well the one guy I can remember specifically was Cornelius Bennett and he came into the Indianapolis Colts uh, coming from Atlanta uh, on, on fresh off of a Super Bowl loss to the Denver Broncos back in 98. And I just remember just the, the feeling that you got, like, man, we we are really making a run here. We really are serious about championships because we knew having a guy like Cornelius Bennett in there, a guy that had been to five Super Bowls, unfortunately uh, didn't win any of them. But the fact that he had so much respect around the league, it just it, it let you know that – when you bring in that caliber player, your expectations also increase. And so it's not just about fielding a good competitive team. Now you're talking about championships. And with J.J. Watt, he he has that same sort of presence, a guy that uh, even though he hadn't had the postseason success that you would like, he still has had the success in the the NFL that lets you know that this team is serious about competing at the highest of levels. And so uh, everybody's going to step their game up to make sure that that they get on the level of a J.J. Watt because they already know what he brings to the table.
2: And I think we've kind of already seen that, not in the locker room, MJ, but out on the football field as far as it's J.J. Watt, front and center every drill and then the nonstop communication with the rest of the team not just his defensive line mates but everyone and we've heard a number of players say that not only is he a superstar but he is just another one of the guys yet people are watching and paying attention and that's what you like to see especially for those young players in that locker room to kind of look up and say all right this is how you do it.
1: He sets the tone when it comes to the practice, including his line. And I'm sure when you know when they start playing games and they huddle up as a defense going out there, you know, obviously is the face of, of the defense. But you look at J.J. Watt; he's been in the trenches for a long, long time. But really, lead by example. You know, that's what he's doing. And you know, you can just see the passion he still has to play this game. He feels like he's got a lot left in the tank. Uh, we know that he's missed you know, 32 games in the last five years. However, he all played in all 16 games last year. We'll see what his snap count is. But he leads by example. And once you see the way he works out, you're like, okay, I better not take a day off.
2: And it's not just... J.J. Watt, it's A.J. Green, Matt Prater, Rodney Hudson, Sean Williams. All those players added this offseason. All team captains. Leadership, something that General Manager Steve Kime talked about this offseason. They wanted to get better in two areas, physicality and leadership. But the leadership for Kime was big.
0: Two of our off-season goals, I think, that really stand out to me was was becoming more physical as a football team and, and adding leadership to our locker room. And I think that in, in many respects, I, I call it self-policing your locker room, which we, we can't go home with these guys at night. We can't tell them how much tape to watch. They they have to do it on their own. They have to have the passion and the want to. And uh, those three additions, certainly, in my opinion, have, have really raised the bar for us in that respect.
2: B-Train, you brought it up, accountability, and it's one thing for your position coach, your head coach, your general manager to say something. It's another thing when your peer is telling you, hey, this is what we need out of you right now, and you're just not doing enough.
3: The biggest misconception about the NFL is that you're totally dependent on coaches to be successful. I was taught a long time ago that coaches put you in position just enough to get you behind whooped. And if you don't do the extra – meaning the extra uh, film work, the extra study, and the extra preparation, you're not going to be successful out there. So self-policing is actually part of the deal when it comes to playing in the NFL. You you can't depend on on coaches solely just to get you in positions to go out there and be successful. You're the one that's got to put the helmet and shoulder pads on. You've got to go out there and make the plays. And so it's in your best interest to, one, have enough guys around you that can go and do it, but, two, make sure that you've done everything that you can and you've exhausted all your resources to make sure that you're in position that when your number's called that you can go out there and play. And so, yeah, we, we love coaches, and coaches do play a, a vital role in what happens. But if you're just if you're just dependent on them, then you, you're setting yourself up for failure. So at the NFL level, uh, we're all men here. We're all accountable for one another, and you've got to make sure that you do everything that you can possibly do in order to ensure individual and team success.
1: One thing I learned from B-Train, Monday through Saturday, that's when coaching matters. If, if you're prepared on Sunday, then you, you'll see it. And when it comes to adjustments, different things. But, you know, you I, I look at Larry Fitzgerald, and he was never a rah-rah guy to where, you know, but he took people under his wing. And if you ask him a question, but he led by example. He, he You know his, what his, he did in his career, so he didn't have to really – you know get anything out of them and he always told us like guys would take notes in meetings and he said okay that's great now go do it on the field so some guys lead by example I I think Watt being on a new team and his personality I think he can be more vocal from that standpoint and and not to begrudge anybody. B-Train for you
2: uh, you know later in your career a lead by example or, or did you give some speeches in that locker room or on the sideline?
3: I mean, when, when needed, you gave a, a speech here or there, but most of the time it was lead by example for me. I, I was never a big rah rah guy. I was never, uh, you know, I, I did that for a time, but it it really wasn't my personality. I, I wanted to just go out there on the field and, and, and do my thing and make sure that I uh, played within the confine of the defense and, and played team football. But. For the most part, I I, I wanted to just go out there and play. And, and, you know, there's always going to be guys that want to be rah rah guys, and and that's fine. But uh, for myself, I I just wanted to let my play speak. And I tried to speak as loud as I could as many times as I could during the course of the game. And uh, I think for the most part, you know, I was hurt. (laughs)
2: The most important thing is there is no one way to lead, and how you lead for one group or one person might be different from the person next to them or someone else, and that's something that J.J. Watt explained when he was introduced for the first time as an Arizona Cardinal back in early March.
0: One of the biggest things is understanding who you're dealing with because every single person is different. So it's all about cultivating those relationships and really learning your teammates on a deeper level so that when you do get in those tough times or when you do have to have a tough conversation, you understand how that guy best responds. So while one guy may respond to me yelling at him and getting on him and saying, hey, you're doing this wrong. I need you to do it like this. Another guy may go into his shell when I do that. So for that guy, I may need to go put my arm around him and say, hey, I know you're, I know you're having a tough time with this. Let me explain why that's not how it should be done and why we need to do it this way. And then the most important part, in my opinion, is to be doing everything that you possibly can to help the team from your own standpoint.
2: Important words there from J.J. Watt, train and I know there's been a lot made about off-season and whether or not you need OTAs or minicamp, but j.j watt there it's how do you cultivate those relationships that chemistry how do you get to know your new teammates maybe it's not so much doing work on the field but in that locker room off the field we've seen j.j watt out golfing with different players and getting to know his new teammates that happens now you don't want that to happen in training camp correct
3: if it happens in training camp it's too late the, the, the one thing that you have to do is you have to take advantage of off the field. When we're on the field, we have a job to do. Everybody is out there doing their job, coaches, trainers, players, everybody. They, everybody has a job to do, but the relationships really strengthen when you're off the field, when you're in the locker room, in between practices, when you're in meeting rooms, in, be, you know, in between meetings, and, and uh, when you're eating. Those are the times where you really get to know your teammates, and and uh, when you're outside of the facility, th- those are the times that uh, you you really get to know somebody. Because when you're on, when you're at work, er- everybody's doing their job, you know, everybody's focused on their task. But uh, when you're at leisure, that that's when you really see the real personalities of your teammates, and and you have to show an interest. It, it takes effort to be a leader. You can't just show up and say, Hey, I'm JJ Watt. I'm going to be a leader. No, you have to actually put in the footwork. and and go to those guys and meet them where they're at to to be that leader. Because one thing that still holds true, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And I think for J.J., he understands that, and I think he's doing his best to cultivate those relationships off the field by doing the golf and and going to different places and and going out to eat and all those different things. And so those are all very important in team building, and and it's not going to be just one way, as you said, Craig, it, it, it takes on a, a number of, of different ways, and, and uh, every personality is going to be different. So, you have to approach them as such.
1: When I look at the 2021 20, 22 uh, Cardinals, I, I believe this offseason they have set in, in and they have the groundwork, you know, building a foundation. And now it's the uh, B Train said it's about relationships. And then it's got to be trust when you get to the season. I got to trust you in a big spot. So, they're laying the groundwork right now get to camp, relationships. Because, you know, a lot of guys, guys on offense and defense, they're in the locker room, they'll chat. But at that point, you have to make sure the relationships and trust there when you step on that field in week One.
2: And to be Train's point, it takes effort. It's not easy. You have to work at it almost as much as you work at it on the football field and what you're asked to do as a player in a particular position. So something to keep an eye on as well as far as the leadership aspects of the Arizona Cardinals. We have hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. When we come back... No, we have not ignored it completely. We will talk some defense. Make B-Train happy. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
0: With the 136th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Marco Wilson, cornerback, Florida smart player too and that's what they value rondell moore graduated purdue in two and a half years and uh collins was a high school valedictorian marco wilson aptitude test off
2: the charts smart player with the of course
0: athletic ability yeah he should be known for more than throwing the shoe
2: against lsu he's a good player trained by his father who was a college defensive back his brother quincy wilson also in the nfl good bloodlines good intellect The voices of Peter Schrager and Charles Davis during the April draft weekend when the Cardinals selected Marco Wilson in the fourth round. Of course, they moved up in the draft a trade with the Ravens, so obviously the Cardinals saw something. They wanted to go get Marco Wilson as opposed to waiting for him to drop to them, and now Marco Wilson joining a good stable of cornerbacks, MJ, and you look at that cornerback room, 10 players currently, but there is a good mix of some experience and some youth out there. And when you talk about the youth, I don't, I mean, I guess we can still count Byron Murphy a little bit as that young player, although he is the, I guess you could say, the most tenured cardinal in that cornerback's room now that Patrick Peterson is no longer. But I'll just look at Marco Wilson and Tay Gowan and those young players because I think they're the ones that people are going to watch and see can you crack that top four, top five to where you're playing defense on Sundays. I think in the perfect
1: scenario, if Murphy and, and, and Denard and Malcolm Butler can stay healthy, it won't put those guys in a, thrown in the fire right away. Now, um, based on their measurables and their speed, you may want to try to get them on special teams. And we've had this conversation, you know, do you keep five corners? Um, but, again, I if, if the veteran guys and Murphy and, and Denard and uh, Butler can stay healthy, Then you know maybe they'll keep four on the regular roster, and who knows? They could add another cornerback to the roster. I think they want to see what they had. They were able to do that in off-season workouts, and then that's when they brought in Denard. So I think it's got some
2: depth there, but it's a lot of youth after the top three guys. And I'll add Robert Alford as well if he can stay healthy, then all of a sudden that cornerback's room looks very, very good. B-Train, when you look at young corners trying to make a name for themselves, especially when you're a day three pick, and maybe that leash isn't as long if you heard your name called on day one or day two, what kind of uphill battle are Wilson and Gowan going to have to try to make a name for themselves and really stand out in training camp?
3: The biggest battle that they're going to have is the playbook. They're going to have to learn the playbook, know what their role is on the team from a defensive standpoint. And most young guys, really, their best way of making the roster is special teams, as, as uh, Mike just talked about. If you're not a special teamer as a rookie and you're a defensive back, it's, it's very it's very slim that your chances are going to be to make the team. So you, you've got to make sure that you stand out first on special teams because you're not going to be asked, be put out on the island against some of the game's top receivers, especially right out of the gate when you start talking about Julio Jones. You know, they're not asking you to go out there and defend him. But you can go out there and you can cover kicks and you can uh, win, help win the field position battle, then that's going to be a bonus for you. That's going to be key. So you want to start with special teams and then slowly but surely ingratiate yourself into that, that, that huddle when you're playing on, on first to third down.
1: Now, if you look at it, as long as you know Butler and Alford can stay healthy, and let's say you know one's down for a game or two, according to Byron Murphy, he can play inside and outside, and then also that opens the door for Marco Wilson, because he, he can play inside and outside, and then they also have Chase Whitaker, who can play on special teams, so the fact that Murphy's not pigeonholed as just a slot corner, he was asked a question. I was a little surprised, because he's kind of found his niche, in my opinion, but based on what Vance Joseph and the secondary coaches think of him, they think he's the number 1 cornerback on this roster and usually your number 1 corner on your roster
2: is playing on the outside. Yeah, Byron Murphy is going to be on that football field, I think a lot, and maybe every snap now where he plays outside or inside, it might be a combination of both as long as he's on the field, and I don't think it matters to Murphy at all. When you look at Wilson and Gowan, yeah, they fit the part. Six feet, six foot one, respectively, and they're very, very athletic. The big thing is and what we don't quite know about is the one thing that every young corner has to have, something Frank Sanders discussed earlier this offseason on the Big Red Rage. A cornerback
3: in the draft is... A hit or miss situation. He can get exposed really fast. The number one thing in the NFL that they come to try to take is your confidence. If they can steal your confidence in practice, we know 100% you're going to stink it up in the game. So you got to have a quarterback that is confident, whether he is getting beat or not, but he's confident enough to learn the game and he can overcome some of his failures, but he has the athletic ability and the mentality to want to get better.
2: And you have to have that short term memory, right, B train? Because everyone's going to get beats, but if you're confident in your ability, you're not going to get beat twice. You're not going to get beat twice repeatedly. And then that is something that I think both Wilson and Gowan they've said they're very confident, but I think we'll get to see once they start going one on one and playing against, you know, an AJ Green, a D Hop, a Christian Kirk, and then they're really kinda indoctrined into the NFL. (laughs)
3: Yeah, you got to have the memory of a goldfish. If you're playing out there on a, on an island and, and you're playing against some of the top receivers, you know they're going to make some plays. But you can't let one play compound into a series or compound into a half. You have to be able to let that play go and come back to the next play and be ready to go. So, yeah, your short-term memory has to be pretty much non-existent if you're playing quarterback. And, and very few positions on the field require that type of memory because, you know, you, you have to go out there every single play and and compete because if that ball is thrown in the air, you've got to go make a play on the ball. you got to go do something to help this team. And, and if you guess wrong, then it can be six points and, and lining up for an extra point. So uh, that position requires a little more mental fortitude than maybe times past. But uh, there are guys that can do it, and hopefully the Cardinals have enough of those guys that they can go out there and and field a defensive back unit that is formidable and can go out and help this defense win games.
0: You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report.
1: Middle of the field to the end zone, Kirk, he got it, he's in, touchdown! Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown! Oh, baby!
0: The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app.
2: Touchdown! Cardinals win!
0: This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. (laughs)